we're happy to be with you for this worship service. And as my Father speaks today on the kingdom of grace and glory, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will reach each heart. Here is my Father with this subject, The Two Kingdoms. Henry Clay, the great American statesman, was at one time embarrassed and distressed by a large debt which was due to the bank. Unknown to him, some of his friends raised the money privately and paid off the debt. One day he went down to the bank and said, I have called to see you in reference to that debt of mine. You don't owe us anything. Mr. Clay was nonplussed. He looked inquiringly and said, uh, You don't understand me. I came to see about the money I owe this bank. You don't owe us anything. Why, how's that? Well, a number of your friends have paid off your debt. You don't owe this bank a dollar. Tears rushed to his eyes and he was unable to speak. He just turned and walked out of the bank. This is only a faint illustration of what Christ has done for us when, by the grace of God, he has tasted death for every man, as we read in Hebrews 2.9. We speak first of God's kingdom of grace. The term kingdom of heaven is often employed in the New Testament, sometimes referring to the reign of grace in the world, sometimes to the reign of Christ on earth after the restitution. In Hebrews 4.16, we are exhorted to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne of grace supposes a kingdom of grace. A kingdom has a king, subjects, territory, and law. Grace is the free unmerited favor and power and love of God, the source of all our blessings and of our salvation. Immediately after the fall of man, God declared, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15. Here was promised the whole plan of salvation, and from that very moment Christ was offered to be the Savior of men. These glorious truths were revealed to Cain and Abel, for we are told in Hebrews 11.4, by faith, that is, in Christ, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Abel built an altar, offered the unresisting lamb. When he placed his hands upon its head, confessed his sins thereon, he saw by faith the coming of an innocent Savior who would bear his sins and die for him. As he confessed his sins, they were in type transferred to the lamb, which became the sin-bearer and was slain for the wages of sin is death. Since the life is in the blood, the lamb's blood had to flow. So it was with the world's Redeemer. Christ, therefore, is the king of the kingdom of grace, and all of the sinful people of this world are its subjects. The world is its territory, and the throne of God is the throne on which Christ is seated. There our Savior is the mediator on the throne of grace, and that law, the transgression of which is sin, and has made the unmerited love of God and grace necessary, is the law of the kingdom. So we see that the kingdom of God's grace stands complete today. God's complete plan of salvation and the man of salvation is Jesus. The kingdom of grace prepares sinful men to have a place in God's kingdom of glory yet to come. We read Matthew 13:47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea, gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world." The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. The net here, of course, represents the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit impresses the hearts of men to respond to this preaching. They are led to accept the free offer of salvation. 
that they may inherit the kingdom of glory. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come. The kingdom spoken of here when fully established will cover the earth. Then the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our final inheritance of glory is not given to us here and now. We are like children not yet placed in control of our inheritance. If we were, Satan might entrap us in sin as he did our first parents. Christ is holding our inheritance for us out of reach of Satan. As believers, we are now the children of God and as to serve God, not in fear, but as his sons. We read in Matthew 13, 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. This shows the value of salvation. Salvation is a treasure of infinite worth, and we must work the field in order to find it. There is a precious mine of truth in the Holy Scriptures, and we must dig deep to find the treasure. Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Christ is the King of grace, and he will reign in the once sinful heart. So we see that the object of the kingdom of grace today is to prepare its subjects for the kingdom of glory. Through this kingdom of grace, God reveals his love, justice, and mercy toward a race of rebels. Now we consider briefly the kingdom of glory. Just before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the angel Gabriel announced to the Virgin Mary that her son, Jesus, should reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Luke 1, 31 and onward. This kingdom is eternal in its nature. Christ is the ruler. He is to rule over Israel saved. Because this reign is eternal, it cannot refer to the kingdom of grace. At present, Jesus sits on his Father's throne, as we read in Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was a priest king holding two offices, Hebrews the seventh chapter. So Jesus holds a double office. He is now king of grace, but he is also the high priest and mediator between God and man. That he is a priest king is clearly stated in Zechariah 6.13. He intercedes for us before the throne of God in heaven. He is spiritual king of righteousness and king of grace. He himself declares, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all unto me. John 12.32. This drawing power he exercises through the Holy Spirit. It is still in the world and is experienced by both saint and sinner. If you feel this drawing power, my friend, do not resist it. It is God's voice speaking to your heart. There are those who trust in their own righteousness and thus make one of the biggest mistakes possible for a person to make. Those who trust in their own obedience to be saved reject the only salvation available, that which comes by the imputed righteousness of Christ. In so doing, they deny the Spirit who alone is righteousness and life. Only when we surrender our hearts fully to God and receive Christ as our Savior and are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit can we truly do the will of God. Then the Holy Spirit will work through us in obedience, and the righteousness of Christ's law will be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Romans 8.1 We fix our gaze not on men and their abilities, but on Christ, the King of righteousness. When all believers shall have been justified by Christ's blood and by faith in him become a part of this kingdom of grace, 
then cometh the end, when he, Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom, that is, the kingdom of grace, to God, even the Father, when he, that is, the Father, shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, and he, Christ, must reign till he, the Father, hath put all enemies under Christ's feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he, the Father, hath put all things under his, that is, Christ's feet. But when he, the Father, saith all things are put under him, that is, Christ, it is manifest that he, the Father, is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, that is, unto Christ, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, the heavenly Father, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. These wonderful words in 1 Corinthians 15, 24. This will take place when the end comes. Human probation is closed. Christ's work as our holy mediator in heaven has terminated. When the fate of all men has been forever fixed, and he that is unjust shall be unjust still. And he that is filthy be filthy still. He that is righteous, righteous still. He that is holy, holy still, as we read in Revelation 22, 11. Then the very next scene in the wonderful drama of time takes place. We quote the very words of Christ in Revelation 22:12. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Here, beyond the judgment, the prophet John foresees the time when the transition takes place, and the world passes from the kingdom of grace to the kingdom of glory. He speaks of it in these words, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11:15. So the kingdom of glory is finally established, the kingdom which has no end and no frontiers, which is worldwide and for all eternity. Christ will be its king. The redeemed of all ages will be its subjects. The purchased possession will be its territory. Its God will be all in all. His law will be its law. The new Jerusalem will be its capital city. At any cost, we must all be there. We must not miss it. Today the King of grace is saying to you and to me, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Those words of Revelation 3.21. Are we overcomers? We may be, for it is written in Revelation 12.11, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Christ has done his part. Are we doing ours? Are we witnesses for him? In the western part of the United States, a man was walking along a dark street one night and saw another man coming toward him with a lantern. As he came near, he noticed by the bright light that the man appeared to have no eyes. As he passed, he turned and said, My friend, are you not blind? Yes, came the answer. Then why do you carry a lantern if you're blind? So that people will not stumble over me, of course. What a lesson to all of us. Are others stumbling over us? Are we Christ's witnesses? Are we saved by grace? And are we looking for the glory 
that is to be revealed when the joy time comes, by and by. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng, blend with us your voices in the triumph song. Glory, praise, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages men and angels sing. Onward, Christians, Christian soldiers, marching as as to the cross of Jesus going, going on.